This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome. I'm Beck Dahl and you're listening to Stand Up Straight, where we aim to provide a vehicle for the Allied supporters to stand up for our GLBTI community, to encourage and create greater inclusion, share stories, give advice, create dialogue, or introduce a new way of thinking. And most importantly, facilitate change towards greater acceptance of our rainbow family in all its shapes and sizes. Thank you to Daniel Mason for the afternoon and Beck for the news, the other Beck. Um, I'm here tonight with Stephanie. Hi, Steph. Hi, Beck. And Clayton, who is microphoneless, but he's he's here with us too. <laughs> um, we have two really special guests tonight. Uh, their names are Sean Towner and Mike Wynn. And I was lucky enough to interview Sean when I was part of the live broadcast at the Pride Game in his role as the uh, captain of the Pegs football team. But the more I delved into these two, the more interesting I think they became. And I have got a wide list of things we want to talk to them about tonight. Everything from marriage to coming out to football to Khloe Kardashian. So who knows where that might all go. I'll find any way to get the Kardashians into something, won't I? Um, I guess what I really wanted to start with is where people might have seen you guys recently, which was this article in The Age with this catchy headline, gay couple to frame signed napkin instead of marriage certificate. So tell us a little bit about this. How did this all come about? What was this all all for? That was us with the big, awful photo in The Age. I (laughs) I think it's very handsome. Yeah, how can you think that's an awful photo? That's a great photo. Shucks. <laughs> it makes us look grumpy and we're happy the whole day. Actually, you do look a bit grumpy. We yeah. Well, you've, you've got engaged. every right to be. You've got very right, every right to be grumpy, but also, you know, obviously happy. Um, I was just at work one day and I got an email from Bo, who works at the Age. Just, um, it was the day that the plebiscite was formally announced, I think, and um, he just asked if we wanted to have a chat about it. And just by sheer coincidence, about two hours before Sean put down 
the um, the deposit on our wedding location in Torquay because we got engaged June this year. Um, so I was going to say, there's a big bit of bling on your hand. Yeah, and no, no, I have a question, <laughs> a really important question around that. I am actually wondering why Mike has a diamond ring and why Sean has no diamond. Yeah. Because I'm the one that has a bit of flair and <laughs> Sean's the big butch. I'm the big boring one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fabulous peacock. So he you, if he wanted to get me, he needed to who, cop up some diamonds. Who bought who the ring? He bought me the one that I've got on my finger. I bought the one that's on his. Oh, that's engagement good. Finger. I like that. Yeah, no, I'd rather have the diamond though. Good, good, <laughs> good, good, good for one. you. Maybe when it's time for the uh, wedding rings, you can I don't know, mix it up a bit. Yeah, well, um, Sean proposed first, and um, so I won. Oh yeah. So and then three months later, I was like, well, you know. I'm a man. I want to propose to the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. So I, on his birthday, I surprised him by getting down on one knee as well. And did you have the ring with you when you got down on... Yeah. You both did. So did you choose the ring, Sean, for I did. I think uh, the two best things I've done in our relationship is, one, choose the ring, which worked (laughs) well, and two was the wedding... Sorry, the engagement proposal location, which was at the Moulin Rouge in Paris. Oh, oh. my goodness. You are a romantic, no, aren't you? I, no, I'm not. That's, that's the weird thing. Mike's the romantic one. I oh, just okay. happened to get these two right, and I think I've set my set the bar far too high for the rest of our relationship. And, Sean, just with coming back to the ring, and I'm not trying to obsess about the ring, but it is a beautiful ring. <laughs> Did you kind of follow him around when he was looking in jewellery store windows and kind of say, oh, you know, what do you think of that one? Or did you just take a punt and go out and buy something that you thought was beautiful? I actually, I took a bit of a punt. So I had like an idea of what I thought he would like. And I had a, a photo of it on my phone for quite a, quite a number of, I think, two or three years. And I just kept showing it to him. And he said he liked the the sets of the diamonds being through the middle, but didn't like the colour of that ring I chose. And then I know he doesn't really like the look of yellow gold, so I went with those are the white gold slash platinum instead, and I just took a punt, and it happened to pay off. I like that Steph and I have gone straight to the jewellery. Like, <laughs> we don't want to worry about the you know politics of marriage equality, oh, all this, all these politicians. I got my diamonds. I'm happy. Yeah, we, we just want to talk about jewellery. When is the wedding? Uh, February 2018. Oh. So we've got a little bit of time to relax. You have to book these things very far in advance, don't you? Yeah, so far. I'm already excited, but then I've realised I've got another 15 months to just calm down and I can't organise everything <laughs> So how, how long have you two been together? Uh, four years officially, but Gosh. I pretty much the first time I saw Sean, I was head over heels in love with him. Oh, <laughs> there is so much Not love to be in selfish. the studio, Steph. We were both straight back then, so we were just like bros. Just well, I'm interested <laughs> in, I'm a little bit interested in that too. I've got some questions about that. Oh, no. Sean, if I was you, I'd probably step in and say, I thought the same of Mike. Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting Mike. patiently. That's uh, <laughs> a, a bit of a lie because I, we'd met him, I met him once before oh, yeah. and the first, the next time I met him, I said, oh, uh, he goes, hi, I'm Mike. I said, yes, we've met before. Ooh. Then that was the second time he met me that he, that he actually So we wouldn't say it's love at first sight. Second sight. Second, second sight, sight. Definitely. The first, the first time he couldn't remember meeting me. So oh. I was just oh, blown away. Now, oh, good recovering, Mike. Digging uphill quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I should also mention Sean and Mike have their lovely nephew, Nick, in the studio with us too. He's 10. Hi, Nick. Hi. Did you want to say hello on the radio? Hi. Dead into the microphone, man. Hi. Hi. We might ask you some questions later, Nick, about what your uncles are like. Get some dirt on them, do you reckon? Yeah. Okay, good. I'd like to come back and hear that um, that coming out sort of story, really, meeting a straight guys and then ending up together. 
right after this. Hi, this is Adelaide and you're listening to my mum, Stephanie and Michelle on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. Say you remember me. Thank you for joining us on Stand Up Straight tonight. We are in the studio with Sean Towner and Mike Wynn who are here talking about lots of things. Um, Beck, yeah, Beck, <laughs> Beck uh, kicked off the hour with um, some discussion about a, an, a recent article in The Age and we started talking about the boys' relationship and we did get a bit bogged down in details of jewellery. I mean, that's important <laughs> stuff. Very important stuff. But just winding it back a little bit, um, you mentioned, um, Mike, that when you had first met... Some years ago, four years ago? Five. We first met, it's almost 2009. seven years ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. And at that time, you were both presenting as st- straight yeah. boys, yeah. Just, yeah. I couldn't get a girlfriend, but I was pretending <laughs> to be straight. I, I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I don't I think you were really trying very hard. No, no, it's I know. Don't <laughs> let the grumpy photo in the age for you. These are good-looking boys. Um, so how... Talk us a little bit um, th- about how you first came out, well, we first met and then came out and then met again as as gay men, I guess. Well, yeah, I first met Sean when I was just 18. And um, so I'd just come out of high school and I was, you know, I was ready to, you know, shake the shackles of high school off. I just needed to get out of there. And then, you know, I was just like ready to, you know, ease into life and, you know, start to feel comfortable about, about myself. And then I saw Sean, I fell in love with him. And I was like, oh. I mean, why wouldn't you? Look at him. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, I'm not ready to fall in love. Mike, had you, had you come out to anyone at that stage? You, no, no one You obviously all. knew that you were, you were a gay man, but yeah. you hadn't come out. Had you kind of com, kind of admitted that to yourself? Had you, were you comfortable with the, what, where you were or were you struggling a bit? What was? I definitely, I knew 100% I was gay halfway through year seven right and so from then until the end of year 12 was just like this inner torment i went completely inside myself i'm sure everyone at high school had no idea what my name was i was the quiet kid just wanted okay. to go you know under the radar i was going to say you were flying under the radar yeah. and just getting through yeah. high school okay. i had like you know dreams of being in school plays and everything but i i couldn't do it i didn't want anyone okay. to know who i was because you know once you're a little you know more visible than People, will people ask questions, ask questions and they look and they yeah. I'm sure everyone's obsessed with my sexuality. And were those <laughs> were those years of high school happy years for you? Oh, I feel I couldn't say they were really terrible because I have really good friends in high school, but yeah. I know that I wasn't myself. Mm. And so when I you know went home and I was by myself, I knew 100 percent I wasn't happy. Yeah. But I had really good friends that you know on the surface you know I was really happy I was you know I had good friends we're going out on the weekends we're having heaps of fun but at the same time there's that voice inside of your head saying these friends don't know a thing about you really they like this version that Mm. you present will they like you when they know you know who you are to your core and did they like you when they oh god yeah (laughs) I had so many more friends when I came out (laughs) you're much cooler when you're gay so what what advice would you give to your year seven self Oh, just, you know, if you, you know, if you go inside yourself and don't, you know, let yourself be heard, you're at like a really good school. You've got to make the most of these opportunities. I missed out on so much. And, you know, I I scraped through. I got a, you know, a score that allowed me to study what I wanted at university. So I didn't miss out, you know, academically, but, you know, personally and socially, 
there was just this whole part of me that was missing mm. and it turned out to be, you know, the most unfounded fear in the world. Mm. So, Mike, when did you come out? I came out a month before my 20th birthday. Okay. And that, to me, was long enough. I was just like 19 years of lying every day was Exhausting, I, I imagine. couldn't imagine anyone. And who was the first person you came out to? I half came out to my best friend. Uh, about a year before I came out, things kind of started to, you know, all crash and burn all my lies. So I came out as bisexual, but that was only because, you know, maybe that would be a little more, you know... The people soft, might the find that easier, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I still like girls, but, you know, there's something to guys. And then yeah. um, and then it was to mum and dad. That was the first person I told to their face that I was gay. Um, and what was, was their response? Well, I told them about half an hour before my best friend's father's funeral. Wow. Okay, that's an interesting timing. I Bit of distraction. <laughs> that's what I thought, but yeah. now I look back and I was like, that is the cruelest thing I could have ever done so dad was standing there in his jocks and mum's putting on her makeup and I was like you know what I am gay and they're just like what is happening this is you know not what I expected but you know 10 minutes later they kind of took it all in got dressed and they you know they told me they loved me and everything was fine. So Sean was this story something that prompted you to write your ebook? Yeah so I I came out about a month and a half after Mike and I was, so what's that, five years ago now. So I was only 25 or 20, almost 26. Just turned 26. Just turned 26 when wow. I came out. So I was quite a bit yes. longer in terms of years after Mike, but only you know, a month or six weeks after mm-hmm. he actually came out. So, And I guess Mike and I were such good friends. We actually came out to each other kind of before we both came out to everybody else. And because we'd both gone through so much inner heartache and inner turmoil... We both had no idea how to how to come out to other people and you know how to come out to your parents. We kind of just winged it, and then you know the more people I sort of spoke to about their coming out story, you know, the more I realised that no one that I've met has ever regretted coming out. But I know a lot of people who have regretted not coming out sooner, mm, and yes. and that was kind of the premise behind uh, behind the book. I I didn't actually intend to turn it into a book. I was just you know Mike being a journalist and having his own blog. He just sort of said, well. Have you ever thought about putting your putting your head on a page? What you're sort of thinking, and then it just kind of kept growing into little chapters and ideas, and then Mike helped me edit it and expand it, and it kind of turned into the book. I I read the book last night, and what really struck me was um, you were saying that coming out to your parents was a I can't think of the word you used, but it was such a positive word, and it was it sounded like to you such a positive experience, and it was and it was really kind of um, heartening, I guess, to read it like that. It was, yeah. So uh, to be honest, I can't remember the word I used either. <laughs> it was it was a, it wasn't amazing, but it was a word like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, it was. Look, for me, it was an incredible experience because you always put this this mindset that it's going to be worst case scenario and, and you're happy with how your relationship is with a particular person or, or people at the time and you think if you change that in a great way by coming out as gay that it's going to completely change the makeup of that relationship and you assume that's going to be bad mm. but it completely changed 
uh, my relationship with my parents, but in a good way? Well, I, I was just saying one of my favourite parts about reading the book was when I was reading the Amazon reviews and there was a review from your dad who yeah. said, as Sean's father, I'm both proud and honoured to have him as a son. Had I read a book like this earlier, I may have noticed his concerns and we could have talked about them and saved him a great deal of heartache and despair. And I thought, what a beautiful family you must have for yeah. that to be, you know, for, for that to be your dad's words. And obviously, I guess there was challenges for him yeah, in you coming definitely. out as well, I could read in that. Absolutely. I, I mean, the thing that hurt mum and dad the most was knowing how much I'd been hurting for, you know, the past 26 years of my life. And when I told my brother, I actually told my oldest brother first, and then he, uh, he started crying. And he, it was after a friend's wedding, and he went home crying. And this little one woke up and saw, saw Daddy crying, and sort of said to Nanny, "Oh, Daddy was crying last night, and he couldn't work out why." And then the reason my brother was crying was because he goes, "Well, I didn't realise how much hurt and pain you'd been going through for the last twenty six years, and I know that you know we've, I've, I would have said stuff in the past that has contributed to that, so it really hurt him." Yeah, gosh. And I'm now we're all going to cry in the studio. I I'm the biggest sook I cried in. <laughs> so, Sean, you have got, um, you've got two older brothers. I do, yes. And was the response the same from your other brother? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Look, they're, they're both fantastic and they've been, you know, the, my, my biggest supporters and, you know, they've... They've been so good to Mike and I as well, and you know they're, they're our, our biggest fans completely. And Matt Matt took the uh, the news, if you want to call it that, mm. the exact same way, and just said, "Cool, I'll, well, I'll love you still." We <laughs> are going to come back with more about weddings and plebiscites and football, Chloe Kardashian and, and football, <laughs> my two favourite things. Shortly, you're on Stand Up Straight. Hi, my name is Bella, and you're listening to Stand Up Straight with Michelle on Joy 94.9. You are listening to Stand Up Straight. No Michelle tonight, but you've got a Beck and a Stephanie and a Clayton, so... Close enough, close enough. Um, and our special guests tonight, Sean and Mike, who we have had some fascinating chats with. But tonight, because Clayton doesn't have a microphone, I can talk about football as much as I like. <laughs> but are you being inclusive, Beck? Not when it comes to football, Steph. No, I'm not. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm, I'm accepting of all people's views unless they don't like football. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. fair. Um, So uh, I think I said at the start of the show, Sean, that's where I met you when I interviewed you at the Pride game. And you've been, um, I guess, pretty vocal in that area of talking about, you know, gay footballers and all those sorts of things. But you're the captain of a, what do we call it, amateur? Amateur football side, Amateur football side. Um, And I suppose pretty unusual to have an out gay captain of a... Of a club? Yeah, it is. So uh, I came out, uh, I guess I was the captain before I came out and and since, and the club itself have been you know, incredible, but it was one of the most nervous things I've ever done having to come out to my teammates because when I was growing up, football was both the best thing in my life and the worst thing in my life. You know, I was able to be myself out on the football field and take all that, you know, that internal aggression and mm. that sort of stuff that you have. And, you know, just throw yourself into a pack and crash into bodies. And that was my release. 
but when I got come off the field and I saw all my teammates bringing their partners and you know the wags to football functions. I always knew I'd never be able to do that. Yeah. Because in my mind, I thought well, I'd never be able to come out and and bring a man to these functions because you know they they won't like it. You can't have a, a gay football player, and so it was the worst thing for me as well. And it kind of it it really tainted you know my favourite thing in the world, which is to play football. Mm. How how do you come out to a football club? Is it you know? And when do you come out? Yeah. And why do you come out? I mean, if you were, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well. It wasn't a, a, a something I thought I necessarily had to do to the football club. It was more of a when you know when I was able to admit it to myself and finally come to the uh, the opinion that someone else's opinion of me is none of my business. Hmm. Yeah, and when I kind of when that finally sunk in, I just eventually said, you know, well, bugger it, I'll uh, I am who I am, and if you don't if you don't like me for that, then you know you're not really my friend. And coming out to my family first, and then to a couple of my best friends who I play football with, they and I had the, the open discussion with them saying, well, how do you think the players will take it? And they go, mate, you'll be fine. The guys love you anyway. It, nothing will change. And having that conversation with a few of the guys in the football club who were my close friends mm. as well, that really helped. And it wasn't like I stood up in, you know, with a foot, a big, big foot of bower and in front of everybody. Yeah, next week hey we're guys. playing the Bombers and yeah. I'm gay. Hey, guys, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm tearing an ass out of my shirt. Yeah, sort of that's thing. right. But it was just a, I told a few of the players and I just said, look, you know, just can you just filter out there for me and, you know, I don't want to do this sort of... This so sort there of was no announcement, announcement There was no real, real announcement. It was just... I didn't think it was necessary to do an announcement. It was no. more of a... If someone asked me the question, I'd answer it honestly this time. And did you get endorsement from all of your team members, like on the Ab- quiet? Absolutely. Or, or, absolutely. Yeah. So after uh, after telling a few of my my best friends, and they went and just sort of you know filled the word out. I think just about every pl- person at the club individually came up at some point over the next month or so, and just shook my hand, gave me a hug, and said. You know, I'm so proud of you. Or you know, well done. And and I always took that like it was so nice that they were certainly trying to do a nice thing. But I never really saw it as being brave or, or mm-hmm. something that needed to be praised. And so, you know, you're so brave to do that because I don't think it's necessarily brave. It's just coming to terms with something that you haven't been able to come to terms with before. I think I think it. It is brave, though. I think, you know, admitting something that you've had this great fear about and this internal kind of conflict is brave. I think I think it's good to, it's, it's, to understand that. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, just, I don't like self-praise. No. <laughs> and is there – I haven't read Cleaning Out My Closet, um, but is there a chapter in there on how to come out to a team? There's a chapter in there about how to come out to your close friends, not necessarily okay. a team, so maybe in uh, – Volume two, I'll do the. I uh, think I think we need well. that because you know it, I just find it astounding that in 2016 we still don't have a an out AFL player. Absolutely, I, I mean, and what's that about? I I honestly think it's because th- there will be a you know, a media circus around around a play when they come out, but I think the AFL until recently hasn't really shown that they were ready for a, a player to come out in terms of the actual support network. You know the the work of guys like Jason and Matt mm. Finnis from St Kilda, they're starting to show that, yes, the AFL is ready for, for a gay footballer because the support network is going to be there. Prior to this year, even up until last year, the support network from a player's perspective, that they wouldn't have thought it was there for them to actually be supported. And that, to me, was one of the most beautiful parts of that Pride game night. And Absolutely. I really do call it was beautiful because it was one of the most amazing experiences and and it was that really supportive kind of environment and I thought gosh I, I really hope that 
even if it's not an AFL player, if there's an under-15s kid Absolutely. that says, wow, footy, my game that I love, is welcoming and accepting of me. Like, what a tiny thing to make a huge difference. Bang on. And that's the thing. It's never been that visible that the AFL is supportive and the fear of the unknown you know, stops you from actually doing things. And that's the kind of thing from a, a player's perspective they wouldn't want to go, well, oh, geez. Am I going to be you know, mocked by supporters? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, are, my, are, my, are my supporters or are my teammates in my club going to support me if someone does? And I liken it to the whole racial uh, racial yeah. discussion mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and it's the same thing. I mean, poor Adam, know, Goods Adam Goods can no, longer, can, can yeah. no more choose his race than Mike and I can choose yeah. our sexuality. And yeah. you sort of see the... Uh, the reaction from supporters in the crowd when they hear someone racially vilify Adam Goods, you know, they they jump on it now, mm, and I, I yeah. think that the we're not quite there with uh, with sexuality, but I think we're kind of getting to that point. Sean, I wonder too. Um, you, you play amateur football, and you know we kind of are throwing some blame onto the AFL. What about team managers? What sort of pressure does an AFL player have from a support group around him? Short answer, without being an AFL player, I, I can't answer that exactly accurately. But I would, you know, I would assume that their brand of an AFL team, you know, from a team manager's perspective, they wouldn't want you know any perceived negativity around their brand. So, without them openly showing support for uh, for you know, LGBT rights, an AFL player might go, "Oh, geez." This, you know, my team manager might not be okay with, mm. with someone who's gay. Therefore, mm. they might think that I'm affecting their brand. Therefore, I can't come out kind of thing. Yeah, so just I just wonder about, ex- you know, there's obviously there's all that sort of internal pressure, but what, what are the external pressures like? You know, are there sponsors and managers and, you know, other well, things that people have to, to consider? Well, I, I think there 100% would be. I mean, AFL... It's a business now. I mean, yeah. it's not just a not just a local game with Carlton playing playing the uh, suburban team of Collingwood. It's it's a it's a business, and there are profits to be made. You can tell by the uh, the new bargaining agreements that the AFL are going through. Yeah, <coughs> for me. sure. And it's you know billion billions of dollars that are on stake at stake in terms of marketing. Yeah. You know, there are decisions to be made, but I don't think that should. You know, stop someone from uh, being supportive, being who they are, and being who they are. And Mike, I want to ask you a question because yeah. the partner of the captain of an AFL club is a very important role. Oh gosh, yes. Head wag, yeah. Chief wag. Tell me, oh, chief, <laughs> chief wag. Sorry, the chief wag. Tell me about being chief wag. Um, you have to be dressed up very well. All eyes are on you. The camera lenses are generally pointed at you the most at functions, mm. and um, you're pretty much the bell of the ball, which I've taken on. Quite well, I think. You strike me as a man that would take that on well. And are the other wags inclusive of you? Has there ever been a, you know, oh, this is a girls' thing and there's a bloke coming along? Oh, God, no. No, I was terrified going to my first game. I I was still chief wag, but I didn't know it yet. (laughs) But, um, no, I walked in and the girls just flocked to me and they were the sweetest things. They've been just as sweet for the last four years. And they have an annual ladies' day lunch and I get invited to that. And the organiser texts me before the event this year and she's like oh I feel so bad we've called it the ladies day lunch we, do you want us to call it the partners lunch I was like oh please I'm happy to be a lady just for a day <laughs> no. I'm, I'm but at least to be they're aware of that and, they're, yeah, and they're, they're, so they're thinking of you know how they can make you feel included all the time yeah no I'm more than happy to be going to a ladies lunch I'm just you know happy to get the invite really I, I think it's really nice of them and I think that's that's people kind of slag off football and sport I think and you know it's this macho homophobic whatever but stories like that of clubs that are really inclusive and I and they're stories that you hear quite often now I think that that whole homophobic manly kind of whatever is a bit 
passe. Yeah, and it's it's because it's from my perspective, it's when you have a connection to it, it, it changes your perspective as well. And yeah, I think the, the Pegs Footy Club have been fantastic for it. Well, I'm going to try and um, drag Beck off football <laughs> after this break. You are on Joy 94.9. Be an ally. Talk it out. Educate yourself. Stand up straight on Joy 94.9. Thank you for joining us tonight on Stand Up Straight. In the studio we have Sean Towner and Mike Wynn along with Beck and Clayton pushing all of our buttons for us. <laughs> in a um, good way. In a good way, yes. I'll try harder. Um, We have been talking footy We have been talking wedding rings Um, We haven't really talked about marriage But I know that that's something on the agenda In February And I know that you Both of you are active in um, Campaigning for marriage equality Do you want to tell us a little bit about that Mike What your involvement has been Um, Yeah well I guess It started just you know With everyday conversations with our with our parents, with our friends, just people who didn't really understand what marriage meant to someone who wasn't allowed to get married. So it was just, you know, an everyday conversation. Sean and I would just write about it, you know, on blogs and everything. And then um, when it came to us finally being ready to get married, we realised that, you know, we weren't going to be held back just by some law that we, you know, we don't agree with. So it's not going to, you know, put a hold on our lives. So when Sean proposed, we... We said to ourselves, you know, legal or not, we're going to set a date and we're going to get married. And, you know, as that age article put, you know, if, if we can't sign a marriage certificate, we're just going to sign a napkin and it's real enough for us. Because marriage isn't about what's legal, I guess, for you no. guys. That's not the important important part. No, we say, like, how many times have you gone to someone's wedding and, you know, you rush up to the bride and say, oh, can we see the marriage certificate? <laughs> so true. There's so many other things. You, you do know. what Steph and I did at the start of the show and say, show us the ring. Yeah, so it's, you know, we're going to have a, a traditional, uh, well, you know, as traditional a wedding as we can. You know, there'll be two dudes at the end of the aisle, but, you know, yeah. we're going to do vows, we're going to dance, we're going to drink a tiny little bit. And will you write your own vows? Yeah, well... Because I'm a writer, everyone's put all this pressure on me. They're like, oh, you're going to have the most beautiful vows. And I was like, oh, no. Am I? (laughs) I've got a year to get this right, and I'm petrified. Um, I wanted to pick up on something you said before about in talking to family and friends about not realising how important marriage was to people that couldn't do it. And it's something that I've really become more and more um, aware of lately, and I guess probably through this whole plebiscite debate, that I've always said, oh, I don't want to get married. Mm. And I thought... God, how bloody rich of me to say that when I can. Like, I, I think that is that hurtful that you, you know, you're that people, straight people think that, or is it, you know? No, I, we wouldn't say like, that's certainly not hurtful. I mean, every, everyone's got their own opinion and everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and you've, mm. you've got the right to do what you like. The thing that offends us, uh, well, what's the TV show we hate? Married oh, at first married. sight, like things oh, like that. Yeah. That's that kind of offends us yeah. when you go, you're bringing two people who have no idea who they are and getting married for the sake of it. That's the kind of thing that kind of rubs but it God in your face a little bit. We get married to people yeah. that yeah. are desperately in love with each other. Yeah, yeah. been together for four and a half, five years, and there's you know there's there's LGBTIQ couples out there who have been together for forty years who yeah. haven't been able to get married and have been through some atrocities in their time and are just such you know we look up to those people so much. And to have a TV show that kind of throws that in their face, that's what offends us. But for a straight person who doesn't want to get married, yeah, my, my dad says, what did you get married for? <laughs> 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 he says himself. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, 
In this this famous Age article, Mike, one thing you said was that you briefly supported the plebiscite initially, mm. and I, and that's something I think I've heard from a lot of LGBTIQ people is that originally I think, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was seen as the only way forward. Yeah. And then was it then upon further analysis of the damage, I guess, that it could yeah, do that you changed your mind? A complete, you know, uneducated support. I just thought, you know, oh, you know good old Abbott is giving us a way to get married. Mm. The public has to vote. I trust the public. You know, you've seen the number that, you know, at least 70% of Australians support it. And I was like, yeah, you know, we'll just have a quick vote. It'll all be great. And, you know, then I'll get married. And then, you know, you delve into it and it's going to cost $170 million. They're giving millions of dollars to people to fund a no, you know, a yes and a no campaign. Mm. And then you just think about it. You're like, oh, well, I can barely look at Twitter because people are so rude on there. Yeah. Imagine, you know, watching... My Kitchen Rules, and all of a sudden it's like, down with the gays who want to get married, you're going to ruin our future. I just I just think the hatred it's going to spew would just be exhausting and it could just do a lot of damage. I, I really believe that. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think you said in the article too that mental health impacts mm. for, I guess, young and also not so young LGBTI people are massive. Yeah, well, you know, I... I was bullied at school and that was, you know, two or three people and it scarred me for life. You know, you, you, you move on from it, but it's always going to be a part of you. Could you imagine, you know, reading articles in the newspaper and hearing on the radio just bullying every day about how wrong, you know, two men who are in love are? I just, yeah, the thought terrifies me of what it could do to these really susceptible people, no matter what age they are. Mm, so I imagine quite a relief to you that it was voted down. So as marriage equality advocates, where do you go from here? I mean, obviously we've had news, plebiscite news this week. And yeah, well, it's the free vote, just or the conscience vote, whatever it's really called. I just, it seems the most logical way, but God forbid politicians ever do the logical thing. But, um, That's right. you know, we'd, we'd love to see that. We Ideally, we'd love to be able to get legally married come February 2018. But, you know, if it has to wait to the next election, if that's the only way it's going to, you know, get through, then, you know, we have to wait. But, you know, I really think the people we elect to, you know, you know, be in our parliament and do what the country wants from them, I, I really think they can just, you know, put their minds together and maybe just have a little vote and You'd think so, married. wouldn't you? You would think so. Well, it seems I mean, easy. Back in 2004, I mean, I, I had a quote that I wrote down from John Howard when they changed the Marriage Act back mm. in 2004, and I'll read it. So John Howard said on the 27th of May... We've decided to insert this into the Marriage Act to make it very plain that it is our view of marriage and to also make it very plain that the definition of a marriage is something that should rest in the hands, ultimately, of the Parliament of the Nation. Hmm. He told that to journalists. <laughs> and here we are, what, 12 years later, with you know, you know, the same... Same, same government. Same government. Mm. Yeah, different leaders, but so, same so government. Different leaders, same government, yeah. saying, no, no, it should be a people's vote. They didn't take a people's vote to change it no. 12 years ago. Why would you take a people's vote now? And, you know, I don't remember a lot of press around that change. That Zero. was just, just happened. snuck yeah. through. Yeah. I don't remember anything around that. No. It was, it would have, what's that, middle of May, just a, a slip through, no, no big press about it, nothing. You try and remove that same sentence from the Act and, you know, you get what we've got now. Five years later, we're still trying to do it. Absolutely. It's crazy. Um now, I, I really have to ask this question, Mike. Uh, picking up on you were talking about things on Twitter. Now, I found on your Twitter today, <laughs> Chloe Kardashian, <laughs> one of my personal heroes, oh God, yeah. tweeted something you wrote. That... Can you please tell me this story and how this can happen to me? 
It did happen after I got engaged, but I have to say that was one of the happiest moments of my life. Oh, my God. Like, you are... Anyone who listens to this show will know my love for the Kardashians is deep and abiding. Um, So, please tell me all about it. Um, Well... I follow all the Kardashians on Twitter. Please try not to judge me, Australia. <laughs> By judge, I mean support and celebrate. You know, they're, they're, they could be doing far worse things in the world than Correct. what they're doing. Um, and she just tweeted out, you know, be on my website with your essays, yada, yada, yada. Just email me at chloe.com or something. And I was like, oh, well, I'd just written this piece that I put out on my blog about how being recently engaged in this political climate what that kind of felt like and what it meant for my future and I was like oh I quite like that piece and I was just sitting at work copied it from my blog emailed it to her you know the site she said and then three days later her management emailed me back and was like Chloe would love to post this can you send us a photo so I spent the next hour trying to find the most perfect photo of myself and then five days later it just came up on Twitter at five in the morning and it woke me up and I didn't sleep for the next 24 hours. Oh, my God. So, Mike, was the photo just of you or did you have you and Sean both together in the photo? Good question. <laughs> it was just of me. <laughs> this well, was my moment. I And you know what? Take it. <laughs> Take it. There so, were so many comments on it too. Like it must have – there must have been million – I mean, she has something million followers. Yeah. I, I just think the best thing that happened was it went on her – um, app or whatever they do mm-hmm. but I said to them oh you know here it is this is probably over the word limit if you want to send them to my blog put the link at the bottom and they put the link at the bottom so I had all these thousands of her followers going to my page and reading it and supporting it and sending me these lovely emails and <sighs> it was I yeah I am deeply in gratitude to the Kardashians. When we come back, we are going to get some details of that blog and we are also going to get details of cleaning out my closet. Stay with us. You are listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9 with Beck, Stephanie and Clayton and our absolutely lovely guest, Sean, who I already loved, and Mike, who I love more now than I know he's friends with Chloe Kardashian. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, we- so just before um, we finish up tonight, what is the name of your blog so we can all be part oh, of... Uh, it's rightforyourfight.com, so W-R-I-T-E for your fight. Not the number four, there if I are. <laughs> and um, Sean... Your ebook that everybody should read. Uh, it's called uh, "Cleaning Out My Closet: A Real Life Guide to Coming Out to Family and Friends." And it was such a good book. I wanted to give it to people. I mean, I couldn't because it was on my Kindle. But, but you can. Very... You can e-gift it. You can. can yes, you can. Christmas is coming. I'm learning so oh. much. There you go. <laughs> um, and have you had a really good reaction to that, Sean? Have people said, you know, this was really helpful for me? Or... It was so good. So uh, it's been out for quite a while, but I hadn't checked the uh, the comments in a while, and uh, I can't remember what it was. But I went back and read one of them, and it was from a 65 year old grandfather who read it and was moved that that much by it that he came out himself. <gasps> it was wow. the most. It was, six, it was the most Amazing. incredible post and he sent me an email yeah. as well the most incredible moment and i just went well you know that's why you know that alone was was worth the price of admission for me it was incredible that's 65. amazing yeah amazing and and the beauty i guess of the ebook is it just sits there and people can pick it up and find it and Fair they don't enough. have to go into a bookshop and buy it exactly. that's yeah. i think the really good thing about it that people feel uncomfortable it's just on their mm, kindle or their exactly. whatever no one knows and that's like the hardest thing for a, a kid who you know 15 year old kid who might be questioning to go and try and buy that book it's a hard copy yeah it's not going to go into dimmix it's not going to dimmix and buy it but it's yeah. an ebook you know you absolutely now i mentioned at the start we've had another very special guest in the show tonight who is uh sean and mike's nephew nick nick i want to ask you a couple of questions 
How have you enjoyed your first time in a radio studio? <laughs> yeah, good, thank you. And what would you give um, Sean and Mike out of ten for what they've what they've done tonight? Um, twenty. <laughs> 20. Oh, he's getting ice cream. Yeah. Now, I know, I was going to say, you wanted ice cream on the way home. So is that is that why they're getting 20? No. <laughs> We're just brilliant. And they're good uncles? <laughs> yeah. You're proud of them? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite thing about them? Um, that they love me and they always will. Oh, yeah. God, like, Steph and I haven't cried enough. <laughs> You're getting two ice creams now. <laughs> <laughs> well... It has been a wonderful show. It has it? been a wonderful show, Beck. Um, thank you so much for coming in, guys. We've thank enjoyed you. every yeah. minute. I think we could have probably talked for another hour or so. <laughs> Would you come back again? Love to. I thought we were just in for 10 minutes. I can't believe an hour's gone. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's been amazing. We've got a bit of Beyonce, a bit oh. of football, a bit Nick, of the Kardashians. Nick said he'd love to come back as well. Oh, you can come <laughs> back. Oh, Nick, you're welcome anytime. I reckon next time we might get Nick and Sean's daddy in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The and dream we can team. Inter- the dream team. Yeah. What do you reckon? And we can uh, interview them. Get Poppy in. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Let's stand up straight. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Beck. Thanks, Clayton, for pushing our buttons in a good way. <laughs> up next is another wonderful show on Joy Family Matters. Good night. is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.